Say it for me, baby. Entropy. Oh, yeah. Entropy. That's a word you don't hear a lot, but just check your news, people. All you got to do is watch your news or just keep listening to the 45th episode of the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast, and you will hear some examples of it. 2022, new year, new you, but the same old stuff is still going on. Well, listen, you've already clicked and come this far, so we want you guys to sit back, relax, and let's go. you hear the music that means only one thing the chicago grown folk podcast is on the air for the winter of 2022 here's what you missed and again i don't believe this is a problem that is exclusive to chicago i believe this stuff is going on all across the country especially as of late particularly if you live in a major city i came across this article recently Upper West Side residents flipping out over a brigade of illegal ATVs. They say illegal quad riders who ignore rules of the road invade the Upper West Side at all hours, particularly late at night and early morning, causing locals to lose sleep and their sense of safety. And a lot of these people, instead of trying to figure out how or why or what to do about so many violent crimes and shootings and things of that nature, They'd rather just give everybody a gun and say, okay, well, just fend for yourself instead of trying to get to the bottom of a lot of this stuff. And I imagine these lawmakers, these politicians, whomever, I imagine that they're making a nice bit of profit off of it. Gun stocks, NRA lobbyists, and what have you. Not to mention private prisons, because if they do happen to catch the individual that is out shooting up neighborhoods and shooting people up, hit them with a bunch of charges and then throw them in prison, So a lot of these people are making money on the front end and the back end. They're making money from gun sales and then they're making money from these people when they throw them in jail and lock them up. All the talk in the news right now is about violent crime, violent crime this, violent crime that, guns, what have you. And I suspect that if this continues on into next year, it's going to be an election year. And all the talk from the politicians is going to be Democratic-run cities, liberal policies, this is why crime is out of control, blah, 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 blah. Republicans and guns, gun control this, gun control that. But none of those people are going to talk about root causes. And until we start addressing the root issues, this stuff is going to continue to go on. Now let's start the show. The show has started. We offer maximum satisfaction with minimal sacrifice. Say what? 
Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the 45th episode of the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. I am E, your host for the podcast. And as always, on the other side of the room, we have none other than the silent DJ. His job is to keep us on point, and that's what he's going to do. And he also assists me with the technical things, like helping me work this equipment that always tends to go bad on me, so he really doesn't have time to talk anyway. He's the podcast behind-the-scenes guy. A lot of these clips and things you're going to be hearing that will be played throughout the podcast, that's what he does. And I'm going to tell you, if he was on... He wouldn't be able to do it. So he's clean, serene, and sober. Now, this is a Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. We'll be doing this podcast for those that don't know. We talk a lot of society and culture issues. We're not a podcast that has a lot of explicit or ratchet material. We don't do celebrity gossip up here. This is not TMZ, Entertainment Tonight, Lipstick Alley, Page Six. And there's nothing wrong with any of those platforms, but... They do what they do, and we do what we do. There's enough celebrity chasing going on out there, so we figured we didn't need to add to that. We're just a couple of guys up here recording the podcast, talking about all this chaos that is going on in the world in 2022. Now, as you heard me say, this is our 45th podcast. Now, let me explain what's going on. This podcast was actually supposed to come out around about the end of December, What we were trying to do last year was get out this 45th podcast by the end of December. Because I had looked at the amount of podcasts that we had put out for the year of 2021 and looked like it was only three. So I wanted to get one more out before the end of the year. So Silent and I came up here, we recorded a podcast, and we kind of rushed it. You know, I was doing the edits and then I was listening back and we could have did a better job because, again, it was rushed. And you know what? It sounded like it. So I told Silent, you know what? We'll just scrap it and re-record our 45th podcast. So technically, this really should be our 46th podcast. So we had that going on. I'm in the process of moving. Got that going on. I just had my father passed uh, earlier in the year. Had that going on. And then not to mention, you know, around this time of the year, the weather is not all that great. (laughs) And, And depending on where you live at, with frigid temperatures and snow because there were a couple of times we could have got together and recorded a podcast, but we had a big snowstorm that hit. So I'm saying all of that to say that anybody that might've been wondering what's been going on with our 45th podcast and why hasn't it come out? That's why. And because this podcast is really just a labor of love for silent and myself. I mean, silent and I aren't getting paid to be up here to take the time and put these things out. So we have to prioritize You know, and as much as we enjoy recording these podcasts, sometimes we have to put it on the back burner for other obligations. And that's just the reality of the situation. Now, if he and I were both younger and we hadn't like a podcast thing that came out in the 90s or whatever, then, yeah, we probably would have came up here and figured out how to make money off of it or whatever before we had families and other obligations. Yeah, we would have came up here and you know, I mean, no, but we got bills to pay. We got mouths to feed and. We just don't have time at this point in our lives to kind of start from scratch. And it's not that we can't do it or whatever, but right now that's just not 
on the table for us. So a lot of times we put these things out when we can get them. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. And I think I talked about this on a previous podcast about putting out all this content on a consistent basis. You know, a lot of times when I listen to people talk, they say, oh, you should put out a you should put out content every week or you should do something every day or whatever. My thought process is, of listen, if everybody's putting out content, I mean, and everybody's putting out content all over the place, right? So if everybody's putting out something every day or every week, I would think that you are oversaturating the market because how many people in the course of a day can listen to all of this damn content that is floating around out here, right? So, you know, we want to give you guys a chance to miss us a little bit. We don't want to overstay our welcome, you know? So by the time we do put out a podcast, it's more like an event. And because we're not under any contracts or have any agreements with anybody, we have the luxury to do that. But the whole point in all of that is just to let you guys know why there's such a gap between podcast releases from us. You know, Silent and I ain't sitting around here talking about, uh, we'll record when we get around to doing it, you know, or things happen, whatever the case may be. And I'll give you a perfect example. And by the way, this is our opening rambling segment for those who might be new to the podcast where I'm not really talking about a whole lot, just rambling on. It's kind of like warm ups before I get into the actual podcast. A couple of weeks ago, Silent and I were going to come up here. We had picked a day to come up here and record. And it just so happened the day that we picked. Well, guess what? Major snowstorm hit. So that kind of canceled those plans. And anybody that knows me knows that um, I'm not a fan of driving in the snow. You know, and it's not a thing that I can't do it. I just prefer not to. And the reason for that is, and some of you all out there know what I'm talking about. It's not that you don't know how to drive in the snow. It's the other people that you worry about when it comes to driving in the snow. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me talk about this before. We have a lot of bad drivers in this city. And here's the thing. If they can't drive when the weather's decent, then you know they can't drive when the weather is awful. So these are the people that I'm trying to avoid. Like I said, it's not that I can't drive in the snow, but these bad drivers are out there and, and you got some of these people out here, if they're driving, they cause a crash, they ain't got a license, they ain't got insurance, or they're going to try to lie and say it was your fault. You're the one that caused the crash. You got these daredevils to get behind the wheel and they want to drive like evil Knievel down streets that have um, two and three inches of snow on them. So for me, with all this stuff going on, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of driving in the snow here in this city. You know, and something else I had noticed too, and Silent and I were talking about this. While I was out breaking my back, shoveling driveways and sidewalks and digging cars out of all the snow, something I had got to thinking about is you don't see a lot of younger people like you used to back in the day, at least not in this city. Now, I don't know about where you guys stay at. Years ago, you used to see Younger people walking around with shovels, carrying shovels, knocking on doors, seeing if, seeing if you wanted your snow shovel. I don't see a lot of that now. And I don't know if it's a situation where it's just something that's happening in this city or if it's a thing where, I mean, maybe they're all on the internet now making money. I mean, I don't know, but I just don't see it a lot. And now more than ever, I think that it's a service that's needed because if you look at demographically what's going on in this country, the senior population in this country is increasing and they project that it's going to keep increasing over the years. And it's because of medicine and technology. People are living longer lives. So as a result, you're going to have more seniors walking around here in this country. And you got somebody that's 70, 75 years old 
they stay in a big home, they might not be able to go out and shovel a foot of snow out of the driveway. You know, you got a group of kids in the neighborhood, you put shovels in their hands and have them go out and make some honest money instead of them running around with guns and taking people's cars, which we're going to touch on this issue of carjacking a little bit later on. But I'm just saying, it seems to me like there are legitimate ways out here to make money if you sit down and put your mind to it. And speaking of which, a few nights ago, somewhere between 1230 and one o'clock in the morning, I'm in my place and, and I heard a firestorm of gunfire. It had to be, and I'm not exaggerating, it had to be about 20 to 30 shots from one of what they call these high capacity weapons. You know, and I thought to myself, I said, what the hell is all that about? So I cut the police scanner on and I'm just knowing when you hear that amount of shots, somebody somewhere probably didn't get shot up or hit with a bullet or something. And of course, I cut the scanner on and nope. The worst thing that happened, I think, was a car got shot up. But I thought to myself, well, what's the purpose of doing all that shooting if you ain't hitting nobody? Now, I don't know if it was their intent just to shoot up this person's car, to send a message or what. You know, for a city where people talk about Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country. You know, you heard me talk about this uh, on a previous podcast with Sarah Sanders and some of these um, and some of these politicians that whenever whenever it's time to talk about gun control, they always like to point to the city and say, Well, Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws on the books and they still have out of control gun violence. So I'm thinking, well, in a city where you have strict gun laws, how are these people riding around with these high capacity weapons, shooting up cars, shooting up neighborhoods? I mean, if you can't walk into a gun shop here in the city, how are these people getting access to these weapons? And this is a thing that I never seem to hear people talk about. You know, we always look to the people that are doing the shooting and rightfully so, but my thing is somebody's putting the guns in these people's hands and and I never seem to hear people ask the question of how are these people walking around with high capacity weapons, just shooting them off on a whim, and nobody seems to wonder, well, how did they get the weapons in the first place? And who's selling these people these guns? You know, this is why you heard me talk on the last podcast about that segment where they were talking about guns kind of just walking out of uh, storage facilities military storage facilities and what have you. Like who's being held accountable for all of this besides the people that are out there pulling the triggers. And I know when you start talking about gun control in this country, people get all up in arms, no pun intended. You know, people get sensitive about gun rights and what have you. And I understand that, but what's wrong with trying to get some of these guns off the black market and keeping them out of the hands of criminals. You know, I don't know if it's a situation where people can't do one without affecting the other, but the cynic in me says that one of the reasons for that is it's easier to go after the people who are pulling the triggers than going after the suppliers because chances are the people who are supplying the guns are probably people who are in positions of authority and power somewhere. No, that's what the cynic in me says. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, we're going to move on. Now, like you heard me say, this is a re-recording of our 45th podcast. Most of those segments are going to wind up in our podcast vault. Some of those segments will make this podcast, but the majority won't. So if you hear a couple of segments and I'm talking about the holiday season, you're not caught in a time warp or something. These are segments that we recorded last year in 2021, and they're going to find their way into 2022. So let's get that do for love going and get down to the business.
You know, one of the things that we were talking about, a group of us, a while back was that people aren't really getting married like they were when we were kids coming up. Nowadays, you have a lot of single men and women, in particular middle age. Now, I don't really know why society is kind of soured on marriage. You know, when we were kids, it was always kind of expected that you would just grow up and get married by a certain age. But nowadays, that's not really so much the case. And again, I don't know why that is. I guess it's just the change in society. Like like most things, you always hear me talk about on this podcast, things change throughout the years. And sometimes, you know, why changes are made. And sometimes it's just things that people just, certain things people just don't do anymore. Now, I believe over the years that people just figured out marriage ain't all it's cracked up to be. You have a lot of people who get married and then they wind up getting divorced and they go through a whole legal thing and, you know. And I imagine people not being a part of organized religion or going to church like they used to plays a big part of it. You know, my grandmother, who I've talked about in this podcast before, who is very, very religious, always preached marriage. It's a sin if you're shacking up and you're not married. So I imagine because people aren't going to church like they used to, that notion is kind of somewhat died out. But as a result, you have a lot of people out here that are single. I came across this study, and this is really particularly aimed towards the men out here. Research has previously shown that years of living alone can have harmful effects on a person's health. A new study published shows that at least one of those impacts may be particularly bad for men. The study looked at blood samples of 4,835 participants. It says they found significant association between partnership breakups or years lived alone and inflammation for men only. The study focused on both years of living alone and a number of breakups because at the end of significant relationships are often followed by periods of living alone. And this is just what I was talking about. It says they didn't just look at divorcees alone because there are a growing number of people who have significant relationships but do not marry. Now it says a connection between feeling lonely and adverse health impacts have been well documented. This study strengthens the link experts have seen between the nervous system and inflammation, which is a significant contributor to heart disease. And they also go on the study to say the levels of inflammation in participants might also look different if they were measured at more advanced ages. The average age of those studied was 54 years old, and it's possible that the impacts of breakups and years lived alone would have continued as the participants aged, which some of this stuff is medical jargon, but they also go on in this article to talk about if you live alone, whether by choice or by circumstances, what are you supposed to do? And then they get some suggestions. It says, knowing that inflammation risk may be increased, we advise patients to strive for a healthy lifestyle. When faced with adversity of any sort, regular physical activity may help well-being. Living alone does not always mean being lonely. It says in recent years, research has shown more people are not married and are living alone. And yet data has revealed that loneliness decreased from age 50 to about mid 70s. So you got a lot of people out here who are living alone, but they like it, you know. So I guess it all depends on your personal preference. Like if you're in your 50s and you've just started living alone because maybe you Maybe you just got out of a relationship or just got divorced. Maybe your kids have moved out the house or whatever the case may be. 
I imagine if you've been used to living with people for X amount of years and all of a sudden you look up and you're in your 50s and you're alone, I, I imagine that can be depressing. But if you've been somebody that's been living living solo for X amount of years, I mean, you might not want to be living with other folks at that point. So like, for example, and I might have talked about these people on an earlier podcast, I don't remember, but Silent and I both know of someone who just recently, maybe within the past two or three years or so, just got out of a relationship that they've been in for some years. Now he's kind of like that old Phyllis Hyman record, living all alone. And, you know, when we talk to him, he seems to be fine with his situation, but that's when we're around. No telling how he feels when, no telling how he feels when he's at his place alone, but, um, <laughs> yeah, Silent said he don't think he having no problem. I tend to agree with you, Silent, because he definitely, I, that relationship he was in was, it, it got pretty bad towards the end, so. I mean, it wasn't nothing physical, but it was just a lot of arguing and disagreements, you know. You know, those relationships when the writing's kind of on the wall and you know you got to let it go, but you're still trying to make it work and it just ain't really working, you know. But then when it's over with and time passes, you look back and say, man, I'm glad I'm out of that mess. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was an interesting study. I mean, you guys can take from that what you want. All right, if you heard our last podcast, you might remember I talked about this very subject, carjackings. And you might remember I read an article from the Chicago Sun-Times written by a guy with the name of Frank Maine. Now, that podcast was recorded around about mid-November. Now, if you heard me read that article on the podcast or whether you went and checked it out yourself, you know that there was a lot of good information in that article, it gave some pretty good insight in terms of why these people are out running around taking cars, what type of cars they're taking or whatever. Well, I want to touch on this subject again, because since then, in the Chicago Sun-Times, Frank Maine has done another article about carjacking. Now, the purpose of me reading these articles on the podcast is just to give people an idea of what's going on, because carjackings have been on the rise here in this city and pretty much across the country. And if you're a person who is not involved in criminal activity and you're watching the news and you're wondering why a lot of this stuff is going on, well, Frank Maine has done a really good job in terms of getting in the minds of some of these individuals. 
So Frank Lynn is interviewing a guy from the West Side. He's a 30-year-old man, and he has been convicted of carjackings. Now, if you want to know about what's going on out here with carjackings, who better to talk to than a guy who's actually been convicted of it, right? Now, this article is pretty extensive. I'm going to read most of it. It's in a question and answer format. Uh, the first question that they get into here, why do you think there's been a spike in carjackings in Chicago? And the answer the guy gives, he says, People are still in cars to do drive-bys, joyriding, kidnappings to hold somebody for ransom, or just do robberies. But number one being drive-bys. The younger carjackers do a lot of joyriding and drive-by shootings and stolen high-end Jeep Cherokee models like SRT and Trackhawks, Dodge Challengers and Chargers with supercharged Hellcat engines, Porsches and Mercedes-Benzes. So in other words, if you want to commit a crime, do it in a high-end car, I suppose. He says the nickname in the carjacking world for those type of vehicles is the fast shit. And by the way, carjackers are also increasingly stealing vehicles for their parts like catalytic converters and their motors, which they sell on the black market. Why would you want to charge her for a drive-by shooting when somebody can say, there's an orange car with a black stripe on it and identify the car in the shooting? I would think you would want to steal a Camry or some less flashy car. And the response to that question was, in people's minds, they take a bright one because in the news or anywhere in social media, they can brag and say that was them or somebody in their clique. Here's a question here. How do they do drive-bys in these cars? Gang members drive into enemy territories in the stolen high-end vehicles with tinted windows and the last second roll down the windows and fire at their rivals who aren't sure whether the people in their car are friend or foe. Some may decide to go through a rival gang neighborhood in a high-end car with tinted windows, and there's a thing they do where they swerve in the middle of the street. They call it jackballing. They're swerving in the street, slow, popping the music, and they will lead a rival gang on thinking it's one of their own until the window comes down. Now they're caught off guard and let shots off. And that's kind of what I was talking about in the last podcast about these people driving around with these jet black windows. You don't know who the hell is driving the car. And I guess if you're going to take a car to do a drive-by in jet black windows, I'm guessing that would be a requirement. So if I'm a gang member in a certain part of town and I see a track down coming down the street like a brand new beautiful Jeep, I mean, am I not going to be alert to the fact that it could be the bad guy that's going to shoot me? Well, that's the thing. It could be. Or it might not be. They're taking a risk of, do we kill our own? Do people in this game have any remorse for scaring the hell out of people that they've robbed or even shot? Do people have that kind of stuff in their heart? I'd say they do. But at the moment in time they're committing the act, I don't think so. I don't think it's on their mind. It's a hustle at that point. After the fact, they might be remorseful. Now, this is an interesting question here. It says, how much of this comes from the video games like Grand Theft Auto or bragging on social media? It doesn't. They're basically just trying to keep up in society as far as rappers and entertainers and the big time drug dealers in the neighborhood. Uh, this article pretty much goes on. Uh, he asks the guy, he says, well, is there somebody that everybody knows in a particular neighborhood that you can sell stolen cars or stolen parts to? Through social media, you'll hear where people want car parts. People know that's where you take your cars. Are these private social media networks where people are able to go and, and talk without being afraid of the cops reading everything? 
ironically, no, it's just wide open. And is that because there's so much stuff on the Internet that you can't keep track of it all? Yes, because it won't be blatant where somebody says, oh, bring your stolen car, bring your stolen parts. They'll just say something like, my shop accepts catalytic converters. But a person who steals a car knows what's going on. They'll go there because they actually know what that means. Another question here, it says, police say carjackers have a relationship with locksmiths to clone key fobs. Is that a common thing? You don't need a locksmith nowadays. On a dark web, you can pretty much buy your own key fob and your own key fob computer. You can go under the seat to lojack a stolen vehicle recovery system. Plug into the system, whether by a chip or a USB insert, and the computer automatically hacks into the system. Disengages the low jack and changes the whole system to a brand new key fob that you got off the dark web. Therefore, the low jack is now terminated and the system to the car is now switched over to the new key fob. Well, that answers my question about low jack. I was talking about that on the last podcast. Um, well, and it looks like now they can use LoJack against you. You know, this technology, man, I'm going to tell you something. This internet and all this dark web, none of us really stand much of a chance in terms of fighting off crime because anything that you have security-wise, the dark web has an answer for. And the thing that I also don't understand, and this article really doesn't um, ask this question, and I know a lot of you all out there are thinking the same thing, if people have this type of skill set and knowledge to know all this stuff, why the hell can't they take the same information to do something positive with? I mean, instead of running around, watching your back, taking people's cars, trying to avoid getting locked up, thrown in prison, it seems like you could take that same knowledge and apply it to make a buck legally. You know, I don't know if it's just part of the thrill of committing crimes or just being in a lifestyle, but... It seems to me like this knowledge could be used to make a legitimate living. I mean, because like all the stuff this guy's talking about, talking about, about disengaging low jack systems and all. I mean, how many people out there know? I mean, how many people out there have the knowledge to do something like that? Going down, it says, can you give people advice about how not to get carjacked? And the answer this guy gives, he says, everyone is entitled to spend their money wisely and buying whatever they want. It's a free country. No one should be putting someone at gunpoint, taking what they earn and work hard for. But in a growing epidemic of carjackings, people shouldn't buy these cars. It's like riding around with drugs, holding them in your window right past the police. You're asking the police to pull you over. You're asking them to take you in a high-speed chase looking for trouble. So those cars, the Hellcats, the Trackhawks, your SRTs, why buy them if you know what the growing epidemic is right now. Don't be a target. I'm not blaming the crime on the victim. I'm just saying as of right now, to not be a victim. Stay away from known areas and don't drive those cars in known areas that you know people are hijacking in. Which, by the way, I mean, this guy can say that. But the reality of the situation is, like if everybody jumped up and said, I'm not going to buy the Jeep Cherokee track hawk or whatever the hell it's called, these people would just steal something else. And at the end of the day, if a lot of these people are just using cars to do drive-bys or whatever the case may be, does it really matter what type of vehicle it is, you know? And again, that piece was done by Frank Main. It's in the Chicago Sun-Times Watchdog section. Uh, if you want to read the entire article, you can go there and check it out. 
I imagine you have to have a subscription to read it, but um, unless people know how to, like this guy was talking about the dark web, maybe there's a solution to that too. So if you're wondering what's going on with these carjackings, well, there's a little insight as to what's happening out here. And by the way, now obviously this is a guy here in Chicago talking about this. It might be different in your city or a town where this is going on, but there might be some things that are slightly different, but the general information is probably pretty much the same. When would there be a harvest for the world? Well, listen, if you heard our last podcast, I want to play this clip. It's a real brief clip from our last podcast because it ties into what this next segment is about. So, Silent, when you're ready, go ahead and roll it. We live in a time now where you have to take your safety in your own hands because that's what's happening. If you get in the car with somebody and they're driving, you're putting your life in their hands. And if they're not going to be responsible while they're driving a vehicle, then they could potentially kill you and somebody else. Be careful who you ride in the car with. Now, the reason why I said that on the last podcast, because I go out on a day-to-day basis and there are things that come across my radar that can be a potential recipe for a disaster. So I'll get on this podcast and I'll talk about it, not to be preachy, but it's just a word of caution. Because I'm going to tell you something, man, if you're sitting in the passenger seat and the driver is driving fast or or reckless, your life is really in that person's hands at that particular point in time. And anybody that's ever been in the passenger seat with a person who is a bad driver, you know what I'm talking about. There's really not a whole lot you can do. And by the way, the way they're making these cars now, I mean, a lot of these cars, man, are fast. No doubt about it. Just a couple of days ago, I was sitting at the light, and this guy pulls up next to me in one of these, um, with one of these super supercharged Hellcat engines or whatever, what you heard me talking about on the last segment. Light turns green. I mean, the guy just hits the gas and takes off. Uh, He goes from one end of the block to the other doing about 80. You know, the engine is making all kinds of noise. This guy goes from one end of the block to the other, and then that was it, you know? And see, and I know what he was doing. The thing about guys, they have egos. And when you put them in a fast car, 
those egos go through the roof. And what the guy was doing, like we used to say back in the day, I don't know what they call it now, but back in the day, we used to call it stunting. Right now, I don't know if he was stunting for me or if he was showing off for whoever was watching, which you really can't impress me because I always tell people you can have the nicest car in the world, but it ain't mine. So it don't make me no difference. Right. But I know guys have egos and they, and they want to show out, hit the gas and make a whole lot of noise and they want to be seen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Long as you ain't hurting nobody in the process. I mean, go for it. But my point of bringing that up is these cars now are fast and I can see how people can get in a car be on an open road and not realize how fast you're going. And by the way, these cars are all over the city. I mean, I sometimes I'll have my window open and the streets of Chicago sound like a drag strip. All I hear off in the distance are engines revving and tires screeching, you know. And because of that, people are going to have a greater risk for having a collision. So that's why if you value your life, I would think that you would have to be careful who you get in the car with. And with the weather getting warmer, well, what's going to happen? You're going to have more and more people that are going to come out. Concerns about the pandemic seem to be fading off into the background, at least for right now. Now, no telling what the future holds, but that's where we are right now. Warm weather, no COVID restrictions. People are going to be out and you're going to have a lot of people hopping in cars. They're going to hop in their cars, pay $6 a gallon for gas, and they're going to go places. And typically, the younger you are, the more places you're going to want to go. And the thing about it when you're younger, it's not that you're going anywhere in particular in a lot of cases. It's just the fact that you're out of the house. So there are going to be a lot of people just kind of riding around, you know, same way I used to do, same way Silent used to do. And, you know, I mean, that's just what it is, right? Now, where am I going with all this? There was a news story that came across my radar a couple of weeks ago. And the reason why I paid attention to it was because it deals with a lot of stuff that I talk about on this podcast. And the last podcast in particular, when I'm talking about be careful who you get in the car with. Now, we were talking then about people running red lights and what have you, but it all boils down to the same thing. Take your safety in your own hands. Now, I want to play this news clip silent when you're ready. Tonight of a deadly crash where an SUV slammed into a freight train in the south suburbs. The crash left four people dead. WGN's Julian Cruz live in Phoenix with more. Julian. Good evening, Mike and Ray. This terrible collision happening on the border in between Phoenix and Harvey just after 2 o'clock this morning. Four individuals riding inside of an SUV, according to investigators, hitting the last car of a moving CSX freight train. The car was immediately incinerated and the four people who were in the car perished. Harvey's Jason Bauman says police and paramedics arrived within minutes, but there was little they could do to save the passengers in this 2018 Dodge Durango. It went through the gates that were down and functioning properly. The remains of the battered railroad crossing gates clearly visible at the corner of 155th and Halstead with CSX Railroad and the Federal Railroad Administration investigating the deadly incident. It doesn't make any sense because I don't know how this could happen. I mean, Tyrone Rush here to identify his daughter's body and to see where it happened. She was a mom. She had a, um, a daughter that she was raising and just was about to start a new job and everything. The 28-year-old Taisha Rush of Chicago was riding in the Dodge Durango with driver 37-year-old Jeremy Robinson of Riverdale with passenger Xavier Moore and 39-year-old Jada Moore from Chicago. She was my heart. She was my daddy's little 
little girl. Taisha Rush's heartbroken father reeling from multiple tragedies. I just lost my dad right after my son. Then I lost my mom. And then I got to break the news to my granddaughter. Tyrone Rush telling us that his granddaughter lives in another state with her father, unaware of what's happened to her mother. In Phoenix, Julian Cruz, WGN News. So you had four people in a Dodge Durango gone, just like that. I mean, that's all it took. Somebody driving a car, they make a bad decision, and four people gone. You know, my heart goes out to that brother that was in a news clip talking about he lost his daughter and his mother. And, you know, and that's a difficult thing to listen to, I know. But listen, man, I I played it because people, you have to really know what's at stake when you get in the cars with these people and they're driving recklessly. They're driving like idiots. I don't know why this guy made the decision to try to fly past this train. But I'm going to tell you something, man. Based on the things that I see when I drive in a city on a day-to-day basis, I see tons of people taking chances like this when it's just not necessary. People flying through red lights, people flying through intersections. You got a lot of these people driving around with these jet black windows uh, trying to conceal their faces. So that's even more of an incentive for them to do what they do because you don't know who the hell these people are when they're running these red lights and running these stop signs, doing 80 miles an hour down residential streets. You got people playing around on uh, their phones and GPS, a lot of these people who drive Ubers and Uber Eats and all this kind of mess, they're playing around on GPS trying to figure out where the hell they're going and they're half paying attention to traffic. So there's a whole lot of things out here that are distracting drivers on the roads. I don't think there's too many people, maybe outside of uh, some people that I've known for years that I would feel comfortable getting in the car with and letting them drive me anywhere. Now, these four people that you heard in this news clip You know, I don't know if this is somebody that they knew because at the time we're recording this podcast, a whole lot of details haven't really come out. So I don't know if this is somebody that they knew or if they were just hopping a ride with uh, somebody. But the only thing that I can conclude is that the driver was flying fast enough and he was he saw the end of the train and thought he could go around it and probably misjudged and all bets were off after that. But the fact, again, when you're driving and you got people in the car, you would even take a risk like that. And you don't know what the people in the car, the passengers, you don't know what their mindset was. Like, hey, man, don't do it or go for it. I mean, you don't know. So this is what I'm saying. Whatever the case, use some degree of caution. Know who you're riding with. And by the way, while I'm on the subject, you know, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, I have a little bit of a fascination with trains. These statistics are from the Operation Lifesaver website. Uh, It has some statistics vehicle versus train collisions. Now, they only go up to 2020. They don't have 2021 statistics. In 2019, you had 2,231 accidents involving vehicles versus trains, 839 injuries, and 294 fatalities. 2020, no surprises here. You had a sharp decrease in fatalities, 1,901 collisions, 690 injuries, 196 fatalities. And again, that should be no surprise because 2020 was the year of COVID and most people were in their homes. And as a matter of fact, these statistics go all the way back to 1981 and 2020 out of all of these years, 2020 was the lowest on record. So again, that tells me that a lot of that is due to COVID. 
And by the way, these 2019 stats have gone up to 294. They hadn't been that high since 2008, where there were 290 fatalities. So bottom line to all of this is if you see a train, people wait till it's safe to proceed. Now, that's my advice. You can take it and do what you want to do with it. Well, at the time I'm recording this podcast, there's a war going on. Russia versus Ukraine. Full-blown war. I'm talking about troops and missiles and people in the street with arms. Full-blown. Now, I'm not going to get on this podcast and pretend that I'm familiar with the history of this conflict. I probably, like a lot of people... I've just kind of really been watching the news and figured out how all this came about over the past few days or so. But this is not something that I was familiar with, this conflict. So there's really not a whole lot I can get on here and talk about because I'm just not really well versed in this, uh, in what's going on over there. Again, other than the stuff that I've been hearing in the news, but that's just not my field of expertise. But at the time I'm recording this podcast, that's what's going on. And I have to always say that because because what I've noticed over the years since we've been recording this podcast, the news has been changing rapidly. When Silent and I initially came up here to record this 45th podcast and open and rambling, you know, what we were talking about at the time. Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. It had just started to make the news and it was kind of every time you cut the TV on, it would be talking about Omicron. And how contagious it was. Now here we are now. And when was the last time you even heard somebody mention the name Omicron on the news? It's almost like it's a distant memory. And now we're even to the the point where uh, the mask mandates are being lifted all over the place. And people are acting like the pandemic is pretty much over with. But that wasn't the case a few months ago. There was all this hysteria about Omicron. So that's why I have to say at the time I'm recording this podcast, but that's what we are. There's a war going on with Ukraine and Russia. There's a lot of talk on the internet and, and articles about World War III. Some people are already saying it has probably already started. You know, I was just talking to Silent about this. It's like you just can't seem to get any peace. We're just now getting over this pandemic. 
Like who starts a war? You know what I mean? This is not the 1930s and whatever. You know what I mean? Now you got people out here uh, starting wars and no telling what the outcome in all of this is going to be. Talks about World War Three. talks about using nukes. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff in the news. I'm going to tell you something, man. If you are a paranoid person or if you have issues with uh, anxiety, which a lot of people do, uh, this is not a good time for you. <laughs> this is not a good time. And I'm going to tell you something else, man. I've lived some years, and I got to tell you, from the pandemic to the violent crime to now there's a war and climate change is still out here. We're, you know, we're going to be heading into the season now where you're going to get a lot of storms and tornadoes and hurricanes are coming up and scorching temperatures and all this type of stuff. You know, there's just a lot of stuff happening out here. There's no other way to say it. About two or three years ago, I got on this podcast and I read an article talking about how depression is up in our society. And I can see why. With all this stuff going on in the news, there's no wonder why depression is up. I came across this article in the New York Times. The war in Ukraine holds a warning for the world order. And by the way, that title sounds a lot like the article I read a couple of podcasts ago about Lebanon holds a grim warning for the United States. Now we have the war in Ukraine holds a warning for a world order. Now, this is a pretty extensive article. I'm not going to read the entire thing. But it says the liberal world order has been on life support for a while. President Biden, in his inaugural address, called democracy fragile. Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, said two years ago, the liberal idea has outlived its purpose. While China's leader has extolled the strength of an all-power state, and as he put it in last March, self-confidence in our system. The multinational responses to Russia's invasion of Ukraine has shown that the demise of the global post-war rules based on order may not be inevitable. A month ago, no one predicted that Germany would reverse decades of military hesitancy and pour 100 billion euros into the defense budget, or that Switzerland would freeze the assets to Russian oligarchs, or that YouTube, World Cup soccer, and global energy companies would all cut ties with Russia. But the reappearance of war in Europe is also an omen, with toddlers looking for shelter in subway tunnels, nuclear power plants under threat. It is a global air raid siren, a warning that the American-led system of internationalism needs to get itself back into gear for the war at hand and for the struggle against anti-authoritism to come. For at least a decade, liberal democracies have been disappearing. Their numbers peaked in about 2012 with 42 countries, and now there are just 34, home to only 13% of the world population, according to VDEM, a nonprofit that studies governments. And in many of those, including the United States, toxic polarization is on the rise. For Ukraine and its democratically elected leaders, the prospects for a survival look very dim. Sanctions, the preferred weapon for the anti-Putin coalition, have a long history of failing to alter the behavior of, of rogue states or leaders. So in other words, these sanctions that everybody keep talking about, we're going to impose more sanctions that typically doesn't have a huge effect. Now, like I said, that was a very extensive article. But the thing out of all of that that resonated with me the most was this idea that democracies are in jeopardy. Now, listen, I can't speak to what's going on in other countries, but I know here in this country, what was that part in the article about Biden 
saying that democracy is fragile. Well, yeah, it is. And I'm going to tell you something. This article smacks of that same article that I read on the last podcast about Lebanon. Is America becoming like Lebanon? And one of the things they point to is faith in elections or a lack of faith in elections. This uh, CNN poll that came out, it says a growing number of people lack confidence in American elections. Half of the people surveyed in this poll think that it is likely that a future election in the United States will be overturned for partisan reasons. 56% of respondents said that they have little or no confidence that American elections reflect the will of the people. And by the way, that's up from 52% who felt that way back in December and 40% in January 2021. 74% of Republicans are now skeptical that elections were representative 59% of independents felt that way and 32% of Democrats. And this poll continues to go on and get more numbers and breakdowns and percentages, but all of them point to skepticism in our election process. I listen to a lot of talk radio and I listen to a lot of news and I hear the cynicism amongst voters when it comes to the voting process. Oh, what's the point of voting? It's not going to make a difference anyway. These politicians tell you what you want to hear until they get your vote. And, you know, and a lot of that stuff is true. But like I always say, the process is what it is. And until we come up with a better one, it's the only process we have. Now, I'm of the mindset that instead of doing like, well, who's that Diddy talking about holding votes hostage and all this kind of stuff. So in other words, you sit at home and you don't vote. Now, my mindset is, no, you do the opposite. You get out and vote in numbers and then you hold these people accountable. And if they don't do what they say they're going to do, then you vote them out of office. But this idea that you sit at home and do nothing seems counterintuitive. Because then what happens is you always get these candidates who are less than desirable. And let's be honest. I mean, that's how Donald Trump wound up getting in office because because a lot of Democrats didn't have a whole lot of, uh, they weren't all enthused about Hillary Clinton, so a lot of them sat home. So no, man, my thing is you get out and vote and you vote in numbers. Get informed and get out and vote. You know, and much like I said on the last podcast, You know, this country doesn't have to lose its democracy, but if people are giving up, I mean, then, yeah, it's going to happen. Well, on our last podcast, Silent and I had introduced a new segment called Grow the Hell Up. Well, here we are back again for our 45th podcast with another candidate for that segment. Go ahead and roll it. Grow the hell up. Yes. Man, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, this story went viral a little while ago, but for those that didn't hear it, it's a little restaurant in the great state of Texas. 
Temple, Texas. Shout out to all the people out there in Texas. Great state of Texas. Well, what you had going on there was um, a restaurant called, it looks like Soul de Jalisco. Normally I would spell it out and let you all figure out how to pronounce it, but I just went on ahead and made an attempt. What you had going on here was a woman who is the manager at this particular restaurant, a 24-year-old by the name of Janelle Brolin. There was a customer that came in with a complaint, a woman by the name of Amanda Martinez, 31-year-old. Now, the issue that she had was the soup was too hot. As a matter of fact, she was saying it was so hot that it melted the plastic lid into the container. So this 31-year-old Amanda was, uh, she got a little bit of soup and said, oh, this, 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 this is just unacceptable. And she went back to this restaurant. Now, according to the manager, she said, well, she tried to offer her a different container of soup, whatever, but that wasn't good enough for this Amanda. At some point, she couldn't handle it. I guess she got so enraged. So she wasn't hearing anything that this Janelle was telling her. So what does she do? She takes the soup and throws it in the face of the restaurant manager. And then she strolls out of the restaurant. Surveillance footage caught the moment when Miss Martinez threw the soup in the face of Janelle. Janelle said having the soup thrown in her face made her feel like she had been pepper sprayed and caused a nosebleed and burning in her eye. Because this particular soup that this woman, uh, this Martinez ordered, had a little spice to it. Miss Martinez had left alongside a man. You know, and I don't know if this guy that was with her said, hey, throw the soup in her face. But she and the guy walked out and it says police arrived at the restaurant, which had banned her from returning. And then they later on talked to this Janelle. She said, when I last spoke to the police department, it seemed like the process would take a lot longer. I'm not sure how I felt about someone being put in jail, but I'm glad to see she's facing consequences for her action. Now, according to this article, it says before this incident went down, it says this Amanda wound up calling before the incident in which she tried to resolve the issue. But apparently the call didn't go the way she wanted it to. And the result was her going back up to this restaurant, throwing soup in the manager's face. Uh, And according to this, it says Texas law states that if Miss Martinez is found guilty, she could face as much as one year in prison and up to $4,000 in fines. Wow. Man, could you imagine spending a year in prison over something like this? Now, chances are she probably won't do any jail time. And the $4,000 in fines ain't too much better. So you have a grown 31-year-old woman running around Texas throwing soup in people's faces. And the thing that I can't figure out is if the issue was that the soup, according to her, was so hot that it melted the plastic lid. If that's an issue for you, then what do you do? You come back up there and just get another container of soup and then you leave. You know, and I'm going to tell you something else. When you're talking about worker shortages in this country, this is probably one of the reasons why you have that, because some of these people are just unreasonable with their demands. You know, many years ago, I knew of someone who was very specific about what they wanted when they were going to some of these uh, fast food places, they were very specific about the detail. I want a lot of this. Don't give me too much of that. So you have these people and y'all know who you are. Very specific about how they want their stuff, which listen, if they're paying their money and if there's no problem for the restaurant to accommodate them, then fine. Remember uh, who's that Burger King? Have it your way. So there are people that go in these restaurants that have that mentality. They want it their way. 
And if you don't give them what they want, look out because they're going it's going to be a problem. Now, I've never known a situation where it's gotten to this point. You know, but back in the day, it used to be, well, let me talk to the manager. And, and if you couldn't get any satisfaction from the manager, then you would just get your money back and that would be the end of it. But nowadays, people got to get soup thrown in their face or you got people jumping over the counters and taking penitentiary chances on, oh, the soup is too hot. Now, again, I don't think this Martinez is going to spend any time in jail, but it's going to cost us some money, no doubt about it. crime tape now blocking off the entrance to the Garfield Red Line station. That's where three men were shot in the middle of the afternoon. CBS 2's Charlie DeMar is live on the scene with new details about what the gunman may have been after. Charlie. And Erica, the Red Line train is once again running through the Garfield stop, but with delays. That is after three people were shot right outside the front doors of the station. Chicago police telling us that robbery may have been the motive. The guy was like, lay down, sit down. Felix Rowland was inside the Garfield Red Line stop when three people were shot just outside the front doors. At least one of the victims ran inside the CTA lobby for help. He was just like, just holding his side, holding himself up. And then uh, paramedics that came in and they pulled him out of there. Police say two men in their early 30s were holding bags. Two other men demanded them. They refused and were both shot. One was hit in the abdomen, the other in the back. A third person was shot in the thigh and took himself to the hospital. The investigation kept Michelle Ramos from getting on her train. Very frustrating. I'm trying to pick up my son. I'm trying to get to Harrison, South Loop. And, you know, the red lines, like for me personally, it's the sketchiest line in Chicago. And this is the one that connects you all the way to Wrigley Field. Like, there should be more security. So far, there have been 572 violent crimes reported on CTA trains and buses through November 24th. That includes platforms and bus stops, up from 544 incidents just a year ago during that same time frame. Crimes like murder, assault, and battery. Do you worry about your safety on the red line? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. They need to step up the game. They need to do something. So far, Chicago police says no one is in custody. Reporting from Garfield in the Dan Ryan, Charlie DeMar, CBS 2 News. Erica. Doors closing. That's right. Doors closing. 
Well, um, that news clip that you just heard was the only surviving piece from our original 95th to Howard segment that we recorded for our original 45th podcast, which would just wind up in our podcast vault until further notice. Now, initially, it was going to be one of our segments that we're, we were going to keep, but, you know, the red line never ceases to give us new material to talk about. So we have an updated version of that particular segment. And by the way, man, it's not just the red line. I mean, now you got the green and blue lines that are getting into the act in terms of all this uh, nonsense that's going on. As you're going to hear when I read this article, a 25-year-old man was shot and seriously injured on a CTA red line train Tuesday night. Now, this shooting happened around about 8.30 p.m. at the 63rd Street Station along the Dan Ryan Expressway. And according to this article, it says you had a man wind up getting into a verbal altercation with four people. So you got one guy, a 25-year-old, you one guy arguing with four people. And eventually what wound up happening is one of the four pulled out a gun and shot the 25-year-old in the stomach. The victim was transported to University of Chicago Hospital where he was in serious condition. This article says Soutier was disrupted three times Tuesday by incidents involving police. Tuesday shooting is the latest of a series of violent crimes on or near CTA stations. Most recently, police sought a pair wanted for an assault and robbery that happened on the Green Line. Then you had another incident on the Red Line. A man, a man suspected of punching a CTA Red Line rider twice in the face was also wanted by police. This is all on CTA trains. CTA to expand use of security guards after rising crime on red and blue line. CTA released surveillance pictures of three people wanted for taking a man's phone and attacking him when he tried to get it back. That happened on the red line grand station. And it says that same station has been the scene of several violent incidents just this week. Early Monday, a 16 year old boy for Darian Knight was shot and killed by a gunman waiting for him to come outside the station. And then it says hours later, shots were fired during a fight on the CTA train platform, but no one was hurt. Now, listen, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, you've heard me talk about me riding CTA trains on my commute to work. I think for the first four or five years that we were recording this podcast, I was taking CTA on my commute to work. And as a matter of fact, I would get on this podcast on occasion and tell a story or two that I might have seen. The most recent story I told was there was a time when I was riding CTA. So in the green line. And these two individuals had got into an argument. They had some words. And before I knew it, it was going back and forth. The argument escalated. And one of the guys had a bottle of water and threw it on the guy he was arguing with. Well, now you know they got to get up and they got to fight. So these two guys went from arguing and turned into a physical altercation. And there is no doubt in my mind. And I said this the last time I told the story on the podcast. There is no doubt in my mind that if one of those individuals had a gun, they would have took it out and they would have used it much like you just heard me talk about where this guy was arguing with four individuals and got shot. No doubt in my mind. So, but I'm saying all of that to say that I have not been on CTA trains riding on a regular basis for the past, maybe four years now, four or five years. And I'm going to tell you something, man, the way these stories are coming, the frequency at which they're happening. I don't know that I will even want to ride CTA trains on a regular basis anymore. Now in the past, there was no problem at all. As a matter of fact, I preferred it as opposed to driving in rush hour traffic. Nowadays, with these idiots and assholes and throwing COVID on top of it, give me the rush hour traffic. I'd rather be sitting on 290 in a traffic jam than have to deal with uh, 
passengers getting shot because they had an altercation on a train somewhere. Because now you're talking about your safety. And if you're sitting, you're a passenger on a train, you have no control of people getting in arguments and pulling out weapons and firing. You can have somebody get hit by a straight bullet just trying to go to work. Well, like you heard the lady say in a news clip, picking up your kid from school. Who the hell wants to have to go through something like that? And I'm going to tell you, man, the trains have never really been all that safe. When I was riding anyway on a regular basis, you heard about people getting robbed or jumped on or whatever, but never like shootings in broad daylight on trains. I mean, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, you can take your chance if somebody's on a train and they're fighting or something, you'll take your chances there. But if people pulling out guns and shooting, I mean, like I said, that's a different ball game. You know, and CTA is talking about stepping up security in this article. They say, um, Friday CTA announced that it has deployed more unarmed security guards, including teams traveling red and blue lines during the day and overnight hours to address safety concerns. And this is part of a larger strategy with Chicago police, which provides law enforcement for a CTA. Now, I don't know that it's a whole lot an unarmed security guard can do against people with arms, but that's what they're doing. And by the way, this doesn't only affect the commuters, it affects the people working. You have a quote here from a guy by the name of Eric Dixon. He's the uh, ATU local president. He said, a lot of our members are afraid to come to work. You know, they don't know what's going to happen on a daily basis. You know what? And yeah, and I can't blame them. I mean, you're trying to go to work to make a buck. People need to feel safe. Now, there used to be a time in the city where a CTA had two people riding the trains. They had one driving and then they had the conductor to operate the doors, but since they started automating these trains to save money, they eliminated that position. You know, and here's the thing too, on the red line, and the blue line might be like this also. I'm not 100% sure. I think they are, if I'm not mistaken, but the red line train, the blue line train, they run eight cars per train, and the only CTA personnel working those trains are the motormen, and those are the people that are driving the train. So you got one CTA personnel on eight car trains, tons of people getting on, tons of people getting off, no telling what they're carrying. They ain't searching none of these people when they get on the trains. People getting on trains with bags. You don't know what they're carrying in their bags. Got one guy driving a train in the front and who knows what the hell is going on in the cars behind them. You know, he or she is focused on driving the train and getting to where they're supposed to go. How the hell are they supposed to be security as well? And then, you know, the CTA talks about, well, we installed surveillance systems, this, that, and other, but the cameras ain't going to stop something from happening right then and there. Now, maybe later on, you can look at the camera and if you can make out who the person is, but they ain't going to stop an altercation or cameras. And nowadays, these people really ain't think about no cameras. No way. I'm just going to tell you. So, so when these people say they don't feel safe coming to work, I mean, listen, I understand that because it's a free for all and CTA's answer is unarmed security. I mean, well, good luck with that, especially when everybody's carrying guns. So I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, but these are just the times that we live in.
All right, now, as you're going to hear, this is one of those segments that was taken from our original 45th podcast. And you'll be able to tell because I'm talking about the holiday season, which ain't nothing holiday, nothing around this time of the year. So let's go ahead and roll it. At the time I'm recording this podcast, it's the holiday season. Christmas is right around the corner. Now, I don't know when this podcast is going to be available, but at the time I'm recording this, uh, Christmas is right around the corner. Now, because this is the holiday season, typically what happens around this time of the year is you see a lot of ads. Well, you see them all year long, but more specifically, holiday ads, people frolicking around in the snow, people having Christmas parties, and you see all types of advertisements for Christmas sales and come on down to Old Navy, holiday savings at Walmart, a lot of gift giving. You know, when I watch the Chicago Bulls play here, I always see the same type of commercials around this time of the year. People having get togethers and they're drinking and they're drinking a cold alcoholic beverage, typically beers, you know, and you see a bunch of Christmas decorations in the background and what have you. Well, it never fails whenever I'm watching these games, usually a day after Thanksgiving, that's when you see the holiday ads come up. And one ad that you're definitely always going to see are car ads. GMC, Buick, Lexus, whatever car you can think of, you're going to see an advertisement for it. And typically what always happens around this time of the year, someone will be receiving a vehicle as a Christmas gift, a pickup truck with a big red bowl on top of it, or a Lexus with a gold bowl or a Buick or Toyota. Every year, someone on television will be receiving a vehicle. Now, in all my years of living, I have never received a vehicle for Christmas. And I don't know of anyone who has gotten a vehicle for Christmas. I was talking to Silent about this earlier. I asked him, he said, no, he's never known anybody. And he's never gotten a vehicle for Christmas. A lot of our friends were sitting around watching the game and these ads come on. That's one of the things that we always talk about. I mean, who out there is receiving car for Christmas? Now, listen, it's a big country. There are millions and millions of people out there. I know somewhere in this country around the holiday season, somewhere somebody is getting a vehicle for Christmas. I'm not getting one. Silence, not getting one and probably won't. And by the way, I'm not talking about people who are rolling in dough, uh, celebrities and these type of people who can, who can probably wake up in the morning and decide, you know, I'm going to buy a car today and just walk out and a couple hours later, they're rolling up in a new ride. These aren't the people I'm talking about. I'm talking about average everyday Joe Blow, man and woman. When you go out and buy a car and it's an event, you know, it ain't something that you can just do on a whim. These are the people I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, these people with unlimited means. Yeah, they, they'll probably go out and buy a car. They'll probably go out and buy tons of people cars for Christmas. You know, and if this podcast was set up to take phone calls, I really would ask this question. How many of you all out there have ever received or know of someone who has received a car for Christmas? You know, you walk outside your front door and in, in your driveway, there is a new Toyota with a big red bowl on top of it. Or you walk out in the driveway, your car is gone and your significant other and your significant other is standing there with a brand new set of keys in their hands, you know, 
telling them to open up the garage and lo and behold, a new car. Well, I was on the internet looking around and I came across a few articles that talked about people receiving vehicles for the holidays. So I saw a few articles, but this particular one is from onmilwaukee.com. Shout out to Milwaukee, fear to dear. The holiday season is a time when fantasies come to life, including the fantasy of giving or getting a car as a gift wrapped in a giant red bow. Which, by the way, I'm going to tell you something. If you're getting me a new car for Christmas, I mean, do you really need the bow? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the car is good enough. Well, what you need a bow on it for? But the dream becomes reality for so many people that, according to the New York Times, gift sales make up 10% or more of December sales for some automakers, especially ones that make luxury cars. So there are a lot of people out there getting a luxury car for Christmas. Those automakers include Toyota's luxury brand, Lexus, which got the phenomenon started with the inaugural cars with Bose December to Remember campaign in 1999. Other brands that often show up on a list for Santa include Jaguar, Lincoln, Ford, GMC, Chevrolet, Toyota and Nissan, Mercedes and BMW. And I got to tell you, again, when I watch the uh, Bulls games, I always see a lot of GMC and Toyotas and Chevrolet on those ads. Here you have a quote from a guy by the name of Howard Kemp. He's a product specialist at a place called Uptown Ford of Milwaukee. He says it's a big time of the year for luxury cars. Sometimes the buyers want it to be a surprise. Other times the person buying a car and the one receiving it come in together. It depends on what you're comfortable in doing. Another guy here they talked to, a guy by the name of Adam. He says he's a sales manager for Napoleon Lexus of Brookfield. He says in his experience, almost all of the buyers come in alone. They want it to be just the way it looks in the commercials. And then as Kemp goes on to say, usually buyers want to buy a car for their spouse. And it says most of the buyers and the people who get these cars are existing customers. And this article continues to go on. It talks about if you're giving a car to somebody, make sure it's something that they want. It's not like exchanging a pair of socks or something. But I'm going to tell you something, man. Unless you can't drive, I don't know too many people out there who wouldn't want to receive a new vehicle for Christmas. Now, maybe there are some out there. I don't know. But no, I mean, you wouldn't say no to recipient. Just know if you give me a car, bring it on, you know. And I imagine if you're buying somebody a car for Christmas, you pretty much know that person well enough. To, I mean, I don't think anybody out there just buying strangers vehicles for Christmas. I mean, unless it's like you're just in the holiday spirit and you're giving away cars or something. I, I think most of us ain't buying cars for strangers, you know. Well, listen, it must be nice. Like I said, I've never received a car. I guess I got to step my game up so I can get one of these cars.
right, here's another one of these segments that we recorded on our initial 45th podcast. You know, a subject that I talk about on this podcast frequently, conspiracy theories. And, you know, on the Internet now, I notice that there are a lot of people on the Internet, social media, YouTube in particular, talking about conspiracies, talks about Illuminati, talks about mind control. The government is plotting against its citizens and. Another thing that I've been hearing a lot of lately is talks about third eyes. Everybody's third eye is open now. I always hear people say this. And then, you know, the thing that I never really understand is when I hear people say these things, and I'm not saying that they're lying or it's not true, but I always think that if if all of these people seem to know about these mind control things and devil worshiping and it's a plan and, and everybody's third eye is open, then it seems to me that the stuff that I see in the news shouldn't be happening. Like all this violence and this crime, my citizens app here, especially now that the weather is getting a little bit warmer. Every few minutes it goes off with uh, people being shot or people being robbed or people being carjacked. And I keep thinking of all these people on the internet talking about someone's trying to control their minds to get them to do these things. Then why are people falling for it? Because if you know there's a plot or a plan to control your mind and get you locked up or whatever the case may be, then why fall for it? If all these people know that the music is uh, trying to control people's minds and they're inspiring devil worship and all this, then why do people support it? I don't see people turning this stuff off. I get assaulted by bass coming through my walls on a continuous basis, especially now that the weather's getting warm. It's like I'm serenaded with bass rumbling through the walls every single day so people ain't turning this music off but everybody keeps telling me that they're hip to the plan all the music is like illuminati and they're trying to control your minds and this that and the other well turn it off i would think i mean and i don't know maybe i'm wrong i don't know maybe my third eye ain't open we're going to get into this um segment and it talks a lot about that uh, there's a woman on here in particular. I believe her name is uh, Juarez. I don't remember her first name. She's a TikToker. This article talks about her and a lot of her thoughts on mind control. So let's get into the segment. Oh, well, no longer living life in paradise. Well, <laughs> this is the holiday season and Christmas is coming up. If it hasn't already come and gone, depends on when this podcast comes out. Uh, some friends of mine and I were having this conversation. We don't see as many Christmas lights throughout the city like we used to. You know, you would drive down blocks and see maybe every other house or every couple of houses would be decorated. You know, Christmas lights, decorations, whatever. Not so much now. I mean, it's drive down blocks and not see anything there might be a house that has some lights strung up in the window or whatever but for the most part there is not a lot of christmas decorations up and i don't really know why that is or what's behind it but i did notice and this is just a little sidebar around halloween there were halloween decorations all over the place big giant balloons pumpkins spider webs draped across bushes you know I remember I was driving down the street. This was last year. Somebody had a huge purple spider hanging on the outside of their home. 
like the spider was climbing up the home. So I see tons and tons of Halloween decorations, but not a lot of Christmas decorations. Again, and I don't know what's behind it. I don't know if it's a thing of people. I, I don't know what's behind it. Now, Christmas is and always has been a religious holiday. It's the birth of Jesus Christ, December 25th. Although over the years, and it's been going on for a long time now, Christmas has become less about the birth of Christ and, and more about Santa Claus and gift giving. I almost wonder if you ask a younger person the meaning behind Christmas, if they could even tell you. Well, it's the time when families get together and they exchange gifts and Santa Claus, this, that, and other. You know, I talked about this on a previous podcast before. My 90-some-year-old grandmother, who was very religious, last year, well, it was a couple years ago, it was before COVID, coming up on the holiday season, was complaining to me about Christmas cards. She was out looking for Christmas cards, and she couldn't find any religious-based Christmas cards. A lot of them had pictures of Santa Claus, gift wrapping, Christmas trees, but she was looking for religious-based Christmas cards and couldn't find them. And she went into about two or three different stores. Now, this is not something that I've ever paid attention to. I don't even think that I've ever picked up a Christmas card to send anybody. I'm not really a Christmas card person. I'm not really a card person in general, you know. I mean, every so often I'll pick up a birthday card or something, but for the most part, I don't usually do cards for no other reason. And it's just not something that I typically have done, you know? So I'm saying it to say that I wouldn't have noticed anyway, but my grandmother is old school and she sends out tons and tons of cards all year long. It did birthdays, anniversaries, uh, graduations, holidays. I mean, she's sending cards all year long. Thank you card, all, all types of stuff. So that would be something that she would notice before I would, you know, and I imagine probably one of the reasons why she has such a hard time finding these cards is because there's probably not a lot of people now, and especially in 2021, that are sending out a bunch of religious based Christmas cards. You know, it's just a sign of the times that we live in 2021 in this country. People have really turned away from religion traditional churches, you know, you go to, well, who is that? Is this, I think it's Fox news every year. They always go on this riff about people don't say Merry Christmas anymore. They say happy holidays, you know? So, I mean, it's just a sign of the times things have been changing. I remember around about the mid to late nineties or so I came across a survey that talked about the number of Americans that were a part of a church or a part of an organized religion had been dwindling a little bit. I don't remember what the specific percentage was. Well, I came across this 2020 was the first year on record that the majority of Americans said they did not belong to a church, synagogue or mosque from the 1930s to the turn of the 21st century. Around 70 percent of Americans did belong to one. Americans, particularly younger ones, increasingly report that they have no religious preference or as some put it, it is the rise of nuns. N-O-N-E-S, meaning they have no religious preference. And the reason why, and I talked about this on a previous podcast, a lot of them now are becoming more spiritual and they're going to the internet, getting a lot of this stuff. This article I came across is a new kind of religion forming on the internet. Algorithms are surfacing content that combines Christian ideas like prosperity gospel 
with New Age and non-Western spirituality, along with some conspiracy theories. Now, if you're on TikTok, you've probably heard of this name. It's a woman by the name of Evelyn Juarez. She's 25 years old. She lives in Dallas. And according to this article, she's pretty popular on TikTok. She has 1.4 million followers for those that place any stock in that. So she starts talking about Travis Scott in the recent Astral World tragedy that happened. Now, this Juarez says, it just doesn't sit right with me. They're trying to tell us something, but we keep ignoring the signs. Now, what she's talking about in particular are the supposed satanic symbolisms of the set. And by the way, there are a few videos surrounding this topic, this Travis Scott thing that happened, and they're talking about satanic rituals and symbolism and mind control. And on this video that she posted, it also has the hashtags of wake up, witchcraft, and Illuminati. She also posted another video back in November, which suggests that a survey sent to Texas residents about the use of electricity for critical health care could signify that something is coming and the government knows it. Now, it doesn't go into what she thinks is about to happen or, or where she's getting her information from. And, you know, the thing I always wonder about when I see some of these people post these videos and things about uh, some of this stuff, I wonder, does anybody ever ask them what their credentials are? What did they study in? Where do they do their research to come to these types of conclusions? Like what qualifies her to be um, the voice that people listen to? And again, it says she has 1.4 million followers. Well, I don't know if, if that's the qualifier or what. And I'm only asking because obviously I don't follow her. So I don't know exactly the story is behind her. So I don't, you know, maybe she's talked about where she studied or, or where she gets her information from. I mean, I don't know. But this article goes on to say, it says her beliefs are reminiscent of many others on the internet. People who speak of bad vibes, demonic spirits, or cosmic calamity looming just over the horizon, one that the government may be trying to keep secret. Juarez says she was raised Christian, although at the age of 19, she began to have a more personal relationship with God outside of organized religion. Today, she identifies as more spiritual, as an increasing number of young people do. Many of them are working out their ideas in real time online. They may talk about manifesting their dreams and faceless sex traffickers waiting to install tracking devices on women's parked cars. Some might also act as prophets, spreading the good word and guiding prospective believers, while others might just lurk in the comments. They might believe all or only some of the ideas, but more than anything, they believe in the importance of keeping an open mind to whatever else might be out there. You know, a lot of this talk about um, talks of Illuminati and what have you, these theories have been kind of growing in popularity over the years. And I talked about this on a previous podcast about these conspiracy theories. I never really know when I hear people say these things, where they hear it from, like what qualifies them to know these things, like where are they getting their information from? I go back to before the internet, when if you were trying to spread a message, people wanted to know what your credentials were. You know, you just couldn't go on television or get on the radio without letting them know what your credentials are. Well, I studied X amount of years at X university, or I worked with the government for 20 years and blah, 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 blah. 
you know, with the Internet now, anybody can get on and say, well, it's Illuminati or it's a conspiracy and blah, 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 blah. And if they got a million some followers and people take their word as gospel. And when you think about religion, they always tell you that there's a lot of dangers out here in the world, but you can find your salvation through praying, reading your Bible, believing in God. God will take care of it. These people here on the Internet, they just tell you something's coming, but they never really tell you how to deal with it. You know, you used to be able to get some kind of comfort in knowing that, well, God will take care of it. But here it's just like they tell you all this stuff is going to happen, these tragedies and things. They're trying to control your minds or what have you, but they don't give you a solution to how to fight it off, you know. first podcast of the new year, Silent and I always try to look at the homicide statistics for the previous year. Violent crime has been all on the news. I mean, it's going up all across the country. I hear a lot of people blaming this uptick in crime on the pandemic. I mean, even just recently, I heard this. I don't remember where I was. I think it might have been, might have been on the radio or I might have been reading an article. I don't remember, but Someone was talking about, well, it's the results of the pandemic. There's so much uncertainty going on, you know, and I don't know. And maybe there's a segment of the population that is running out committing crimes because they've been affected by COVID. But I'm going to be honest with you, based on everything that I've been reading over the past few years, violent crime has been on a slow uptick in this country. I want to say at least as far back as 2015, maybe 2016. You know, these people who are blaming COVID for this uptick in violent crime. You know, maybe they have some stats or something that I didn't catch. But like I said, based on the things that I've been reading, you know, and not only reading, just living some years and just noticing some of the changes that I've been seeing in my lifetime. You know, a lot of people are out here running around now with this kind of I, 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 me, 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 damn everybody else. You know what I mean? How many times have you heard me say this stuff on the podcast? And I'm going to tell you something, man, when a lot of times when I read these articles surrounding violence, violent crime, 
a lot of these things are at the heart of it. Money over morals, people chasing a dollar bill. That article that I just talked about earlier about carjacking, people taking cars to do drive-bys. And you heard the guy, what did he say? He's trying to keep up with the lifestyle of rappers and things they see on social media. That ain't got nothing to do with COVID. Lack of integrity, lack of morals. And I'm going to add something to this. And I don't have any data or any information to really back this up other than, again, just the things that I've been reading. But a lot of this increase in crime that has been going on, these uh, shopping theft rings, people running in stores, smashing and grabbing and hearing this city kids running downtown and causing chaos. And, you know, with more and more people over the years having access to the Internet, social media and this type of stuff. I feel like that's just another contributor to this uptick in crime. I mean, it's just common sense. I mean, if you got a bunch of people showing up at a particular area at a particular place in time, I mean, it has to be organized somewhere. And if you have people committing crimes so they can broadcast it on social media, I mean, this plays a part of it. This article was written on December 16th. So this is kind of where we were at. It said by Wednesday, 812 people had died by homicide in the city. 5.5% more than last year through the date. With two weeks remaining in 2021, the homicide count is already higher than any year since 1996, where there were 856 as the crack epidemic started to lose steam. Most of the homicides were carried out with guns, began to surge in the spring of 2020 after the pandemic's arrival. And I guess this is why a lot of these people keep trying to tie this violence to the pandemic. The violence intensified after George Floyd's killing, and it has not let up. And here's one of these people here. It says a guy here by the name of Chris Patterson. uh, He's the assistant secretary of the Illinois new office of firearm violence prevention. One of the responses to COVID was being there to support people, handing out food and PPE. But we did very little with mental health and being there for individuals as they were suffering through trauma of not only just the pandemic, but seeing violence on a day-to-day basis. The medical examiner's homicide figures tend to run about 5% higher than Chicago Police Department murder counts because they do not include expressway shootings because expressways are the jurisdiction of the Illinois State Police. CPD's murder numbers also exclude homicides deemed justified. Uh, And then you have the guy here, uh, the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, David Brown, says he struggled all year to explain why the shooting surge has persisted. The diagnosis of what happened over the last two years is how we get the right prescription, noting that rates of some other crimes, including robbery and burglary, are weighed down. And when he says weighed down, not that it really matters anyway, because, again, if there's an increase in carjackings, an increase of homicides, I mean and robbery and burglaries are down. I mean, that's not all that comforting, at least not to me anyway. Experts point out that Chicago's homicide surge coincides with elevated violence in other cities. While the causes of gun violence trends are notoriously difficult to pinpoint, Chicago's current surge seems to be tied to a few factors, starting with the pandemic. And now here's a quote here from a guy by the name of Andrew P-A-P-A-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. That's how it's spelled. You can figure out how to pronounce it. But this Andrew is a sociologist at um, what is it, Northwestern University. And he says, COVID shut down things that kept most communities safe. Parks, schools, recreational sports, employment. And then he goes on to say, second, 
there is an increased estrangement from government, especially the criminal justice system. Despite social disconnection caused by the pandemic, people are not turning to the state to solve their problems. Instead, they're taking matters into their own hands. When people don't feel safe in this country, they arm themselves. Which, by the way, I somewhat touched on that on the last podcast about this idea of everybody walking around carrying a gun. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. And I said this before about this increase of guns. And I go back to the Trump administration when he got in office and started rolling back regulations on guns. I really wonder how much of a impact that's had on this increase of a lot of these guns that are floating around on the black market. But I would think that the less regulations you have on guns, the more people that will be walking around or it would be easier for them to get them. And again, I'm not talking about law abiding citizens because those aren't the ones that are causing the problems. Typically, it's these people who are getting guns off the black market. You know, responsible gun owners are going to do what they're supposed to do. But listen, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get on this podcast frequently and talk about talk about violent crime. And now here we are in 2022 and and pretty soon the weather will start to break. Uh, More and more people will be getting out. And, you know, this violence is just going to increase as the weather gets warmer. And I don't see anything anywhere or hear anything from anybody in terms of what the hell do you do about the surge and violence, violent crime in this country? You know, much like COVID, I think this is going to be around for a while. And much like COVID, until people get serious about dealing with these issues, I mean, it's just going to continue to go on. All right, this is the last one from our initial 45th podcast. I was debating with Silent 
whether or not we were going to just not even use the segment. But um, I decided to do it anyway, because I always like to talk about Black Friday every so often on this podcast when the holiday season is around. So so let's get into that right about now, 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 now. listen to this podcast any length of time, you know that one of the things that I always like to talk about is Black Friday. More specifically, Black Friday chaos. Now, a lot of the subject matter that I talk about on this podcast is always on full display during Black Friday. Fights, gun violence, robberies, in some cases there are some deaths associated with Black Friday. Now, I would think Black Friday has lost a little bit of luster because of the internet. You know, they have things like Cyber Monday, where these stores are giving you a lot of good deals. You don't really have to go out and deal with the rush of traffic and getting trampled on and the pushing and shoving that's associated with Black Friday. Not to mention, if you live in a city where the climate isn't all that great around this time of the year, Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Cyber Monday can be very enticing to a lot of people, but you do have some diehards that I guess are just like going out and being part of the hustle and bustle and the shoving and pushing and everything that is associated with Black Friday to get a good deal on a television set or a vacuum cleaner or something. Silent, I don't know if you remember the last time we did Black Friday horror stories, we talked about uh, two women they got into a shoving match over a um, vacuum cleaner. I think both of them wound up grabbing a box at the same time and they were kind of tugging at the box, talking about mine, 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 to the point where the store employee had to come up and kind of get them to calm down a little bit. You know, and then you heard that video that we just played where these people were just kind of running in, grabbing carts and just running 
you would have thought it reminded me of that old game show supermarket sweep where these people would be running through the aisles with these shopping carts and grabbing a whole bunch of stuff in a certain amount of time. But I guess the difference between that and these people on Black Friday is on supermarket sweep, they're grabbing stuff and getting things for free. These people are pushing and shoving to get in line to spend money. Now, granted, they're probably going to get a good deal. They might save a hundred bucks on a television set or something or the other, but they're pushing and shoving basically to get in line and spend money. And what comes to mind when I see that is something that I've talked about on previous podcasts, marketing. You know, think about what happens with Apple when these new iPhones come out and you have tons and tons of people standing in line to get the new iPhone on the first day it comes out because the marketing around it has been effective enough to people feel like they have to stand in line for hours to get a new iPhone. Now there's probably a percentage of these people who, whose lives might greatly benefit from having the latest iPhone, but most people's won't. As a matter of fact, the only thing that's going to wind up doing is putting people more and more in debt, stand in line, spend a whole bunch of money to increase your debt. But this is what marketing does. If you say things loud enough, and long enough, then eventually people will buy into it. I remember some years ago, bottled water, when it first came out, I remember people saying, it's ridiculous to spend money on bottled water when I can get it out of the tap for free. Well, here we are now in 2021, and you can't keep bottled water on the shelves. You go to the grocery store, people's carts are filled with bottled water. Three for 10, four for 10, if you can get a sale, you know, they hardly ever put those sales on Ice Mountain for some reason, but but people are buying tons and tons of bottled water. And this is a little sidebar. I decided to get smart and get a water filter only because I got tired of lugging cases of water up to my place every few weeks or so. And then the thing is crazy. If you live in this city, they charge you a water tax. So if you live in the city and you get one of those sales, three for 10, four for 10, well, you're not really saving a whole lot of money because the city is going to charge you a water tax on bottled water. So when I was buying bottled water, I had to get it out in the suburbs to avoid the tax. But like I said, now I just got smart and got a water filter. I mean, I keep a couple of cases just in case you have company or something. No, man. I mean, I just got a water filter and that, that was that, especially when they're talking about water shortages and all this kind of mess. I'm like, look, as long as the water coming out of the tap, put it in the water. And by the way, I'm going to tell you something. They have these water testers on these filters and You test the filtered water and then test bottled water. Bottled water ain't all that pure either. So, but that was just a sidebar. But my whole point is marketing. It convinces us to buy a whole bunch of stuff that probably a lot of us really don't need, but they make us feel like we need it. And same thing with Black Friday. The marketing has been so effective around Black Friday until it convinces people that they need to run out of their homes and standing in these long lines in the freezing cold at 12 o'clock in the morning to get a good deal on the vacuum cleaner. You know, when the doors open, a lot of pushing and shoving, like I saw in that video. And one thing that comes to mind is who really benefits the most from all of this? Customers who are saving a few bucks on a television or these corporations who put these sales on. And that video that I just saw with these people racing to wherever they're going I always had this vision in my head of some corporate employees just sitting back looking at these folks and laughing at them. You know, look at that one there. She's really running to get that laptop or look at this guy here. He's really 
making his way over to the electronics aisle. I mean, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but that's just kind of this vision that I have. Like people are sitting back in these offices and things, just kind of looking at these videos and laughing and probably laughing all the way to the bank, a lot of them. But unfortunately, a lot of times when these Black Fridays happen, it never fails. There's always some kind of tragedy involved. And 2021 is no exception. I came across this website, Black Friday Death Count. Now, that title is pretty much straightforward, but it is. It's a website that keeps tally of all the Black Friday deaths and injuries that have happened. Looks like they've been tallying them up since 2006. Like, for example, 2011, there was a Black Friday pepper spray attack at a Walmart in Los Angeles. 20 people were injured. Here's one here in 2013. Happened on Black Friday. Shopper carrying a TV home from Target shot in Las Vegas. Said the incident happened on Cambridge Street at around about 9.45 p.m. Says a guy was carrying a big screen TV home and was shot by a thief. Robbers fired the shot and hit the victim in the leg. Wow. This is another one here that happened in 2011. Girl trampled in Black Friday Walmart rush. A teenage girl was knocked over and stepped on several times inside a Walmart. This happened around 10 p.m. on a Thursday. Said the girl was transported to the hospital with very, very minor injuries. So at least she didn't lose her life. Here's an odd one here. This happened in 2016. Shirtless man uses a belt as a whip outside Vancouver Black Friday sale. This happened at a late night shoe sale at a Granville Street store. It said it had to be called off when a member of the crowd gathered outside and got violent. A shirtless man started using his belt as a whip in an incident caught on a cell phone camera. He was running around with his belt, swinging it at people. And then out of nowhere, some guy came from behind and just started choking him. The cell was canceled and police were called in. Officers arrested the shirtless man. No further details about this incident were available. Getting up here to 2021, it seems like we had a few incidents this year. And so far at the time I'm recording this podcast, there were at least three deaths as a result of uh, this Black Friday nonsense. You had a shooting that happened in a Northeast Austin Walmart. 28-year-old man was killed in a parking lot outside of a Walmart store. A guy by the name of Jose Vasquez says he was found with several gunshot wounds. Police said the shooting is under investigation and have not yet determined what sparked the shooting. Multiple suspects are believed to be involved and are still at large, police said. Yeah, wow, so I don't know what the hell was going on in that situation. Yeah, another story here. This happened in East Chicago where you had two people killed. So this happened at around 4 p.m. on 139th and Main Street. One witness said, I was on my way to work at a delivery place and I heard about 25 to 30 shots. So once I came to work, I saw police surrounding the area. It says a double homicide occurred around 4 p.m. on the corner of 139th and Main. as Black Friday shoppers browsed and businesses and restaurants welcomed locals. Initial information indicates that several men ambushed two people killed in an SUV. And it really doesn't go into a whole lot of details as to what the hell the shooting was about. Here you have an incident that happened in Southport. Said this shooting happened at about 3.23 p.m. on the second floor of a mall. Police say people were screaming. Everyone was trampling. Someone even got trampled on the floor. The shooting happened between two groups that knew each other. 
this shooting was not random. Most people involved fled. Well, yeah, that's typically what happens. These people cause all this chaos and then they run and you have a lot of innocent bystanders that get injured in the process. And I'm going to tell you something. After reading this stuff, Cyber Monday sounds much more appealing to me. ZZ Hill with the down home blues. Let's continue on now. I got a thing going here. This is my girlfriend, Coco Taylor. I think, I think I'll blues you. Because I don't want to lose you before dead in the morning. Coco, Willie Dixon, we're going to pitch a wing dang doodle all night long. Right here on WVON. You recognize that voice. That was the voice of the legendary broadcaster, Purvis Spann. Purvis Spann, the blues man, who has since passed away recently. Legendary broadcaster on WVON. Purvis Spann had been broadcasting in this city for years before I figured out who he was. And his daughter, Melody Spann, who um, is now the head lady over at WVON, who I've met briefly years ago at a function and she's a really nice lady. She runs WVON now, and they do a really good job over there. I check them out every now and then when I can. But her father, Purvis Spann, just recently passed. You know, if you've lived in Chicago some years, Purvis Spann, along with Herb Kent, Richard Pegee, these are names that you're familiar with in broadcast radio. These are legendary broadcasters who now we've lost all three of them. And these guys were more than just broadcasters. I mean, these guys were philanthropists humanitarians. I mean, they've done a lot. I mean, you know, they showed up when they were needed. They helped out when they, when they could, and they all left their mark in their own way. No doubt about it. You know, and now more than ever, especially now that I'm getting up in age and I see a lot of people who are passing, that's one of the things that people always tend to talk about is the legacy or the mark that they left behind. And, um, I guess when it's all said and done, that's really what it's about. 
were you a service to somebody in your time here? You know, did you help people or did you tear people down? You know, hopefully you spent your life helping people. But, um, you know, that's what it's all about. So we lost Purvis Span. We also recently lost Mary D. And I don't know a lot about Mary D. I remember seeing her back in the day on GN, WGN here in Chicago, particularly around the time that they would do the uh, Lou Ross telethon. Every year, Lou Ross used to do a telethon for the United Negro College Fund. And every year I would see Mary D on there. You know, I remember that name, Mary D. But I'm saying all that to say that I don't know if she was ever in broadcasting or not. You know, and chances are, if you haven't lived in Chicago, these names might not sound familiar to you. But here in this city, if you've lived any length of time, if you've lived some years, like I always like to say, you've heard these names at some point somewhere in the city. You know, you know, when I was a kid, I used to sit back and watch the Lou Ross telethon. I used to watch. I used to watch. Remember the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon for uh, what Jerry's kids, MDA? I was a kid watching that stuff every single year. You know, not in its entirety, but a lot of times I would cut it on late at night. The Jerry Lewis telethon in particular, I would cut it on late at night. You know, you see these people come out like, um, you know, like Coca-Cola. Somebody would come out with these uh, gigantic checks and <laughs> say, we're donating uh, $50,000 to the Muscular Dystroph- Dystrophy Association. If I'm saying that right. And everybody's just standing around with big smiles on their faces, you know. And then sometimes they would have like the musical acts and there would be people you never heard of or every now and then you would see a celebrity that you knew late at night, you'd be able to catch some comedians and things. So it's just stuff that I used to watch as a kid for no particular reason other than it was just on. And I don't know, you know, (laughs) it was just something that I used to watch, you know, and same thing with the Lou Ross telethon. I used to watch that as well, but that's where I remember Mary D from. Like I said, I don't know if she was in broadcasting or not. I don't believe that she was, but again, I don't know for sure. You know, but I used to listen to a lot of these guys on the radio. I was a kid, man. I remember being a kid in the fifth, sixth or seventh grade on Saturday night. I would be up late because you don't have to go to school in the morning. So we were allowed to stay up late. And I was on the radio one night and came across some old blues music that was being played on the radio and come to find out it was a show called Blues Before Sunrise. Now, I don't remember the broadcaster's name, but every Saturday night he would play old blues records. I'm talking about he went way back playing these rare blues records. A lot of them sounded like they were recorded in somebody's basement or something. You know, I used to listen to his program every Saturday. I found out some years later, he used to come on Saturdays and Sunday, but Sunday I couldn't stay up late. So I never, I never caught him on Sunday, but Saturday I always made it a point to catch him. And at one point I started uh, even recording his show in case I would fall asleep. You know, I could just play it and listen to it uh, the next day. But so it's just a thing. Even to this day, I still do that. I, Guy I listen to now on the weekends, every Friday, uh, comes on at 12 o'clock in the morning. PJ Willis, he plays a lot of these old R&B and soul records. You know, I just like listening, hearing some of these old records and listening to these people tell stories about Chicago and things that were happening back in the day. And a lot of times they would have stories about some of the artists and the music they're playing. So I don't know. It's just something I always got a kick out of. You know, it's like sitting around listening to your elders tell stories about the past, you know, but I didn't mean to get off and all that, but we want to say rest in peace to all those individuals that we lost. And, um, listen, while I'm on the subject of people passing, I want to do something real quick for a friend of mine who passed a little over a year now towards the end of 2020.
Alicia Myers, if you play your cards right. My friend who passed was a big fan of this song, and the reason why was because her father used to play this record a lot when she was a kid. Like I said, she passed on a little over a year, but uh, I heard this record come on the radio a few nights ago, and I thought about her. You know, and it just kind of came out of the blue. I remember thinking that it had been a while since I had talked to her and I had planned on paying her a visit and I got the news that she had passed. And as far as I knew, she wasn't sick or suffering from anything as far as I knew. So it just kind of came out of the blue. And then, you know, you feel bad because again, like I said, I wanted to go visit her and I just never got around to doing it. And, you know, we seem to be living in a time now where we're losing a lot of people. Whether it's through the pandemic, whether it's through violence. You heard me say earlier, there's a war going on. So there's just a lot happening. But um, these are the times we live in. So oh, that's good. I just wanted to play a little bit in dedication to her. Uh, rest in peace. She knows who she is. And um, well, that's that. Well, we've come to the end of another podcast. Podcast 45, another one in the books. Lionel got on this record and said, love will find a way. Well, I hope that's going to be the case because we need more of it now than ever. But I'm going to tell people something. If you go somewhere and the vibe don't feel right, leave. Don't stick around. Don't second guess. Trust your mind. Trust your instincts because that's what you have them for. Live to fight another day. And I'll add this too: stay away from idiots. Now, you know, idiots and assholes come a dime a dozen, and I know it can be very difficult to stay away from them because no matter where you go, what you do, you always run into an idiot somewhere because they come a dime a dozen. But stay away from idiots. You'll save yourself a whole lot of problems. Well, with all that being said, I am E and for the silent DJ, this has been the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast, episode 45, another one in the books. And we are out.
That's the end?